there, Alaskans, wherever you are, welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right in a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to MustReadAlaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. We got a Sunday special edition here, folks. We have my friend, Mr. Colby Way. And before I bring him on the show, I just want to say that Mr. Way is one of those teachers. We all had one of those teachers growing up that was impactful in our lives, right? Maybe we had one, maybe we had two, maybe it took a while and we didn't have one till college. But Mr. Way and probably his wife too, are, are those types of teachers. They go above and beyond, and we find it a, it's just a blessing to have them in our community. So Mr. Way, without further ado, welcome to the Mustard Alaska Show. Uh, John, I really appreciate it here. Yeah, and as, as a friend and as a community member, it's great to be here tonight, yes. Well, you go, you, one of the things you do is every uh, Saturday morning, you read to the kids at the Nikiski Hardware Store Tell folks a little bit about that, and then we'll jump into the school stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of one of those uh, fortunate things that came out of um, some remote learning that we had to transition to there for a little bit. Uh, we just needed some numbers. We just wanted kids uh, getting in front of books and students being interested in books. So uh, we have a great partnership with our local hardware store. And it was just kind of one of those afternoon conversations of this is something we can do. I have a long list of, of children's books that are loved by many. And and honestly, it started sitting, um, as we call it in elementary school, crisscross applesauce uh, on the back floor with an iPad. And um, now it's grown to a live audience and uh, kind of a uh, following across America and the world. So it's, it's been really neat to have that opportunity. Yeah, this is a great picture of, you know, I think during COVID, I think it's oftentimes easier to like get mad at people and to be pissed and whatever. And this is a great um, picture of what it looks like for a public school to partner up with a private business and to do something for the community. I happen to be uh, lucky enough to be one of the owners of the hardware store. So I know a little bit extra than probably what the readers are uh, know. And so it's just been a beautiful partnership. What, two years now of doing this, maybe even longer. Four. We're on your four right now. I, I know. I know. It's, it's kind of funny. We say, you know, we, we keep getting signed on for another 20 episode seasons. So, you know, we'll keep coming back. <laughs> so folks out there, uh, this, you know, you could be doing this in your own community, but um, let's uh, we're, let's take us take us way back, uh, Mr. Way, of, of where you grew up. Uh, where did you find your love of teaching? Take us a little bit back in your history of where you grew up and, and where that first spark of teaching came from. I mean, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's probably going to provide some foreshadowing as to where our conversation is going to head here. Um, so I grew up in a small town, uh, rural community, Muncie, Pennsylvania, you know, right in the middle. Uh, they kind of make the joke. It's, uh, you know, kind of more of the Kentucky, Pennsyl Pennsylvania side of things. So um, I grew up in the rural Appalachian Hills. Um, I call them hills now since I moved to Alaska. They're, they're certainly not mountains anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I really got my love of teaching from my family. Uh, my mother and I have two very influential aunts um, who uh, my mother taught high school for many years and my aunts were college professors and very, very influential in my life and education. Um, and then just throughout high school, took on community positions, uh, local lifeguard, 
running uh, kindergarten swim lessons. So I was just always involved in uh, children's sports, even at a very young age, even when I was involved myself in children's sports, as it seemed. So it, I just seemed to have a knack for it and, and ran with it. And hopefully today still do. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you and your wife taught at a very interesting place, one of your first stops uh, after getting your college degrees. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like living and teaching in the Marshall Islands. Oh my goodness. Um, if you, if you don't mind 80 degrees and sunny every day, I guess that's the best <laughs> description. Uh, but once again, it, it kind of ties into where this conversation is going. You know, it was, a, it was a water, water world there. It was a small Island community, only about a 30 mile stretch of land, uh, in the central Pacific, uh, seven, seven degrees above the equator. And uh, I taught third grade. My wife taught, fifth grade at the time. Uh, it was my first full-time teaching job. And it really opened my eyes up that, you know, we, we can be traveling educators. We can bring just a, a, a quality sense of education and care for, for students and reading anywhere in the world, you know, and, and truly have it from an educational standpoint. Uh, we were very, very lucky uh, to have that door open. And ironically enough, that door opened up when I was uh, at a remote location in Port Hyden, Alaska, doing a uh, uh, half year teacher stint uh, at the time. So went from Alaska to the tropics and then back to Alaska. So. Nice. So one of the things um, as I've gotten to know you over the years is teaching for you doesn't um, ever just stop in the classroom. You do these extra things with kids, whether it's cross country or, you know, sports uh, programs going above and beyond what I would say a normal teacher's expectations are um, during the year. Talk to me, you know, about some of these things when you transitioned from the Marshall Islands to rural Alaska. What were some of those programs that you kind of came up with or spearheaded that were unique or cool that, you know, that are maybe folks in the lower 48 that live in, you know, downtown Seattle aren't going to see uh, in their public schools? Oh, I, I, absolutely. So um, I got, you know, my kind of my feet wet coaching uh, in, in Port Hyde, Alaska on my very short teacher stint. And then when we got to Point Lay, Alaska, from the Marshall Islands, there was just a need there. Uh, it was a school that experienced a lot of turnover. And uh, I've always been of the mindset that, that sports brings people together. You know, sports keeps kids off streets. Um, sports teaches the, the appropriate uh, type of competition in the world. So there was just uh, a need and a need to be felt. Um, it started with coaching basketball. And then it started with helping my wife coach volleyball. And then we said, you know, there used to be a cross country team here. You know, you're digging through the old jersey boxes and you pull out this <laughs> dusty cross country uniform from, you know, uh, whatever year. And you say, we can do this here. So uh, some of the wilder experiences of coaching cross country in the far north um, is the freezing ocean spray off of the Uktiakva coastline coming into, you know, the back turns of regionals. Um, flying everywhere, you know, packing your team up and, and jumping on a 19-seat a uh, jet plane and, and heading off to some rural community, landing, sleeping at schools, uh, community events, and then running races uh, while people are standing there on bear watch. I mean, it's just, um, <laughs> it, 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 it's a whole different aspect, you know, um, you're out there uh, riding around on the, on the school provided four-wheeler for practice. Uh, it's just, um, it's things you're not going to just see at your, your kind of run-of-the-mill uh, urban school. So yeah. uh, it, it added a whole new uh, perspective as to what children can do 
when provided with opportunities. That's awesome. So uh, then you came to Nikiski and, um, you know, you you kind of took it on some of those roles, right? You, you're coaching and you're teaching. Um, talk to me about um, a need that you saw in Nikiski as it relates to our little kids learning how to swim and, and this idea that you came up with. Absolutely. And I think I talked about the foreshadowing. So this all ties to uh, we partnered with uh, North Peninsula Rec Center and uh, Eric Elton has been instrumental in, in reaching out to the community and making those community bonds. Uh, so they've opened up their entire pool facility to our school for several years now for pool parties. Um, and each year, you know, you just get to talking with parents and community members at these pool party events. And they and, and the constant term seems to be, I wish there was school provided swim lessons. I wish there was swim lessons, you know, more opportunities for swim lessons. Uh, so just with that background, um, you know, and 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 with my experiences with uh, the Marshall Islands and Point Lay and Port Hyden and um, uh, Port Graham across the Kachemak Bay, uh, you just saw so many students interacting with water and coastal living and, and, and fish centric lifestyles to the point where you're getting on skiffs without appropriate gear. You're 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 in you know frigid water without the ability to necessarily swim if you fall in. Uh, so you just have those alarms go off in your head. And then when you have something like uh, North Peninsula Rec Center and Eric Elton reach out and say, hey, we can do this. It's just your call to action. It's your opportunity. Um, and you don't want to miss it when something of this magnitude hits, when you can take an entire school for a, a week's time period, two hours a day, and provide them water safety and swim lessons in the classroom, in the pool, hands-on, hands-off with all the appropriate equipment and, and safety measures. Um, you just don't pass that up. Yep. So for folks listening, um, the North Star Elementary, which is where my kids go to, um, you know, historically they haven't had swim lessons, right? Because there's not a swimming pool at the elementary school, uh, but we do have one in our community. And, uh, and so uh, Colby, saw a need, right? Kids need to learn how to swim. I think it's very important for folks to learn how to swim. And some of the kids, um, you know, this this could be their only opportunity to learn how to swim, I feel like, for, for what you're spearheading here. And so, you know, you saw this need, things cost money, right? We wish money would just fall from the trees. And so my guess is you made a couple phone calls, you got some budgets and you figured, well, this still costs X amount of money. How the heck am I going to do us do this? Tell me about that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's always good to start at step one. Um, it's always good to you know tackle the first hurdle uh, one at a time, and and that's what it was. Um, so we just we went and did what you need to do. We wrote the letters. We we got out. We talked to people who were saying, "Hey, this needs to happen," and. Word spreads. I mean, the, the power of social media, the power of small community, uh, it just it, it really came through in this instance. And, you know, $100 here, $20 here, it starts to add up. And there's a list. I mean, I just I have this list of uh, dozens of people from all over America, Alaska and, and the world even who saw just this one Facebook post of this one school in, in a small town in Alaska and said, you know what, that's super important. It's important to me. It's important to these kids. And we're willing enough to open up their wallets a little bit and give what they could. Because in these instances, uh, I think we were talking a little bit before, you know, if, if I'm finding a dollar on the street, that goes to that account. You know, I, I, I will use what we can um, uh, and what we have to get 
this goal met. So we're about $2,000 in and we're just kind of hitting the next wave of donations. You know, we have some couple more donation letters for businesses who've been gracious enough in the past. Um, we're hoping to reach out to a couple of our uh, Alaska partnerships here who are uh, involved in child safety, um, ADF&G, um, Kid, the Kids Don't Float initiative, and just seeing what they can do. So right now, you know, you just chip away at it. We have until January and, you know, we, we've made a strong push. So it'll happen. It's coming through. Yep. You know, I think this is also a great picture for folks listening. Um, you know, there's going to be instances where, you know, you're going through the public school system and things aren't going to work correctly, right? Like we wish, you know, like this could just get paid for, right? And everything would be, you know, high fives and hugs. And sometimes you're going to face speed bumps. And this is a great example of folks in Nikiski coming together to to solve a problem, right? And not really caring about who's right and who's wrong and just seeing like, okay, this is something that could be very beneficial to our kids. It only costs 5,000 bucks, which is not a whole lot of money. Let's chip in five, ten, hundred dollars at a time and see if we can make, you know, ends meet on this. And I think uh, other folks could be doing this in their communities, right? And instead of complaining all the time about stuff, you could be proactively solving problems. So, um, what's that like to see that? Cause I know that comes naturally to you, but do you have any thoughts on that? You know, you could sit back and complain about everything, but you have taken a stance kind of in your life to be proactive about solving problems. Um, does that come naturally to you? Oh, oh, don't, please don't think that during these, uh, these, uh, setting up these events there aren't a couple words mumbled while pacing <laughs> the basement, you know, you, once again, you mentioned you always hit speed bumps, but, I, you know, just, and you mentioned coaching and I do a lot of coaching. I run a lot of sports programs and, 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 and we're going to kind of make the the connection here that, you know, in sports and throughout life, you're always going to hit those speed bumps and you're always going to, you know, get knocked down. And, and, and in that instance, you really only have two avenues, you know, you, you can either make the decision to, to, to get up and keep moving and keep fighting for that goal, or you can just stay right there. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of where if I'm going to preach it, I have to, to live it as well. So if, if it comes out of my mouth and I say, hey, this is going to happen, then I, I have to back it up. And, and even if you get knocked down a few times or you get told no a few times in this instance, you know, there's there's a hundred yeses somewhere out there. So um, it, it kind of comes down to that whole sports analogy again. You know, if, if I get knocked down on the court or on the pitch or on the field, you know, there's two options. I, I get back up and I, and I can keep going at it the best I can or I lay there or pull myself out of the game, you know. So um that's always been the mentality. It was always kind of uh, put in me young, I guess, from that strong teacher background and uh, really just try to, to, to show it, you know, not really speak it to act on it. Um, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, your actions will always uh, uh, speak louder than, than your words. So nice. So let's say somebody, you know, you got, I think you've raised 2000, you need 5,000. If somebody's listening and wants to donate, how could they donate? We talked a little bit about this uh, before we hopped on here, um, potentially going to um, the school district's office or the elementary school's office and dropping off a check. Is that the best way? 
Correct. Yep. Um, and it all comes down to, to amounts, of course. I mean, we want to keep everything up to board for everybody on the tax purposes. So um, any amount that is less than $2,000, so $1,999.99 and lower, uh, you can just drop off a check as a personal donation. Um, anything 2000 and over. Um, and once again, these are these are gigantic numbers. This is just the verbiage behind it. Um, but 2000 and over would have to go through the district offices with a note made that it was being um, nice. dog-eared for this fund. And that's just for the tax purposes that they can get the right paperwork and receipts in um, just so everybody's safe throughout the process. That's it. Hey, you're so, having a good problem if people are giving $2,000 checks. <laughs> that, that, you know, once again, once again um, I, I'm still looking for quarters in the couch for this situation. So I'm not I'm not expecting any, um, just just what's, what's out there and what's been given. Yeah. So let's say this, you know, I think it's going to happen. What does this practically look like? Is this a week uh, you know, a week sometime in, you know, the wintertime where all the school is going to learn how to swim, or is this going to happen over the course of several months? What does it look like? Currently now we're looking at five weeks. Nice. Uh, between uh, basically all of January and a little bit into February. And of course we had to fit it in between our upcoming cross country ski season and our fourth and fifth grade five off five basketball season. So um, it's going to, it's going to occupy that five weeks. And what it looks like is it's going to be a station-based rotation. So we'll take a whole grade over in the morning, and they'll break up into, say, four or five stations where they'll have uh, classwork. Uh, they'll have in the pool, essentially, safety, and that will be varied by grade. They'll have swim lesson stations and then just some other various things that, uh, that, that just tie into the water safety realm. Uh, it'll absolutely be varied by grades. So fifth grade uh, might be more of the water safety, uh, how to to take care of yourself if you're in the water and in danger. Whereas, you know, kindergarten first might be more of the basics, floating, kicking with a kickboard, putting your face in the water. Uh, so we're going to tailor it to, to the needs of the student. Nice. Hopefully it catches on and this is something they do, you all do every year. I think it'd be great. And that's always the hopes of these programs. And I, and I hope uh, it's, it's happened through our sports programs as well. You know, you, you start small, you just, you start small and you hope for the best and it just, it, it, needs, it grows, it grows each year. Um, whether, whether by force or organically, we make these things grow. So. Well, I'm super uh, thankful that you've spearheaded this. I think it's going to be um, something that kids are going to remember. You know, we all remember those field trips that we took when we were, a kid and that's one of the you know not only is that something like this but it's also good for parents to just know that their kids are going to learn how to swim and have some water safety that they may otherwise not get so kudos to you uh, mr way for doing this any last minute thoughts here before we head out Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to mention that uh, you did chaperone one of these pool parties. So I, I, think, did, you can see, I think you can, you can see how much, uh, how much joy comes out of this and um, how much our students do enjoy being in the water here. So just to give them that extra level of safety, oh, yeah. I, I think it would be a comfort for, you know, all involved. So get the word out. I really feel about, um, we, we I, I think we are going to get there. We are going to get there. So I should probably take that hope out. We are going to get there. And I really do appreciate this. Nice. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on the show, Mr. Wade. I did. You're right. I did um, chaperone one of those pool parties. I do remember that I had a line of, I don't know, 20 kids. And they were all doing uh, uh, cannonballs into the water. 
seeing who could get the get biggest splash and uh, <laughs> nobody got hurt my bar was nobody gets hurt and everybody has a good time so um i appreciate you coming on the show and uh you know for folks interested in you know help helping uh fund this program which is not a program that existed a couple months ago this is a program that mr way dreamed of thought it'd be awesome to teach kids how to swim in the elementary school and teach them how to have water safety partnered with our local pool to make it happen and to have that space be opened up for the kids and has raised 2000 of the 5000 I think so far so if you want to help with this um, you can drop off a check to North Star Elementary or the district just make sure that you put a little note in there regardless of where you drop it off that it goes to the uh, kids learning how to swim program and I'm sure that it'll go to the right place and uh, I just thank you Mr. Way for doing this and if folks like Mustard Alaska, you want to help keep the lights on here at Mustard Alaska, just go to mustardalaska.com on the right hand side. There's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Mustard Alaska. And until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you. <laughs>